This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Uh, we are in the we are in an exciting journey of above and beyond. Everyone say above and beyond. Above and beyond, we're week number two, and I'm excited to preach this message. I, I love my little props up here, and uh, you're going to love them as well, I hope, anyway. Uh, the big thing that I want to declare today is, is this very fact. Uh, we can come to a season in life, we can come to this giving season, we can come to this big give time of year, uh, and we can reach above and beyond, and we can be stirred in our hearts. And I want to just challenge you that... This is not just a seasonal aspect of life. This is not just something that we're trying to go, let's rah, rah, rah for three weeks and let's raise this amount of money. Can I tell you that I believe that this is the heart of God? And if it's the heart of God, how many believe that it's the heart of God? If it's the heart of God, then it's something that we should do not just once a year. We should be living out of it every day of our lives, should we not? And so I want to just challenge you as we step into this message this morning that you would uh, say, God, help me. Help me to look at this idea of above and beyond, not just for a season, but for a lifetime, that our every day of our lives would be impacted this way. Above and beyond, far beyond what is required, far beyond uh, what, what we can even imagine, exceeding what is expected, exceeding what is expected. So going beyond our, our makeup, going beyond what we think we can even manufacture on ourselves, God, God is this God that is above and beyond. And we looked last week at Ephesians chapter 3, it says, now to him, everyone say to him, now to him, now to God, who is able. How many know that God is able? Regardless of what you're facing today, God is able. Say, God is able. God is able. Your situation may look bleak. Your situation may look impossible. But everyone says what? God is able. God is able. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond. Everyone say above and beyond. Above and beyond all that we can ask, think, according to the power that works within me. All that we can ask, think, or even imagine. Today, as we come, we can imagine a lot of things. We can think of a lot of things, think up a lot of things, but God is above and beyond. God can do all of those things plus more. There's no, no uh, limit on him. Last week, we made this statement that above and beyond is when we give above what we normally give so that we at RLC can go beyond where we normally go. Our goal, our heart's desire, not just this once a year, but at this t- season, is to go beyond our four walls is to go beyond the state of Oregon, is to go beyond the United States of America. Our desire is to go beyond and to reach into Africa with this gift that we're giving, and you're going to hear more about that if this is new to you. This idea of generosity is showing a readiness to give. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready? Come on, say it. I'm ready? Ask ask them, are you ready? Come on. That's where we have to come back. This is readiness to give to give more of something than is necessary or expected. Would you think back to a time with me in your life when something, uh, some, someone gave you something more than you expected? Someone, it was a surprise. You were just blown away. Can, can people think of items in your life that someone gave you above and beyond gift? Can I tell you that that's the God that we serve, that every day of our lives God is giving us an above and beyond gift, and it's called salvation. He's gone beyond and above everything that we can ask, think, or even imagine. We may devalue it at times in our lives, but God is going above and beyond every single day of our lives. 
At RLC, we want to be a generous people. We want to reach beyond our walls. We want to go beyond what we normally give, that we might have a broader reach than we normally have. Last week, we made this statement, why do we give above and beyond? It's not because we should. It's not because we ought. It's not because we must. It's not because we are required to. It's not because we are coerced to do so. We give above and beyond. Why? Because we can. Because we can. All of us in this room have an ability to do something above and beyond because we can. And that's been the challenge. So we're, if you're new with us and missed last week, make sure you go back and listen to that message. But we're taking a journey. And uh, go ahead and put that slide up there of the Slaters. We have embraced the Slaters, Joel and Amy and their family, as part of our family. And we're stepping in with an exciting journey to raise $43,000 for a Speed the Light vehicle. If you were not here last week, you missed the initial, initial call, and you maybe missed even the understanding of what Speed the Light was. So if you're confused on what Speed the Light is, I'm not going to go back and preach my message today. But I want to challenge you with this. Go back and listen. Go back and listen with an open heart. The Slaters are in South Africa, and they are serving, um, serving with their entire family there. And we have stepped in to say, we want to bless you with a vehicle. I'm going to show a video just here in just one second, but they have already taken possession of that vehicle because we at RLC came and said, we will buy you that vehicle. So the vehicle's already been shipped. They're already driving that vehicle, and now we have to pay the bill for that vehicle. And we're all in, right? We're going to do it. So, so I'll, I'll let you know after the video where we're at. So let's go ahead and watch this video. Sunny Durban, South Africa. We just want to tell you how grateful and honored we are and privileged that you would choose us for your big gift 2021. This has allowed us and enabled us to purchase our Speed the Light vehicle. What an amazing gift. It is allowing our whole family to travel all around the city and the surrounding areas in comfort and safety. Absolutely. We just want to say thank you for purchasing this uh, Toyota Fortuner, uh, a vehicle that's the workhorse of Africa. Its reliability and safety are incredible reassurance to us. And we are able now to look beyond just not only impacting the city of Durban through urban tribes, but also to be able to think about moving around this great nation. The topography and geography of South Africa is so diverse from the sugarcane fields here in KwaZulu-Natal to the, the great Karoo Desert of the Western Cape and all everything in between. It allows us to be able to think about visiting pastors, equipping churches of this International Assemblies of God that we work closely with. We also have the capability to haul equipment. We also are able to haul people. When you're church planting, you have to be prepared for everything. And the ability to purchase this vehicle allows us to think of anything without the constraints of inability. So on behalf of the Slater Six, on behalf of Urban Tribes, South Africa, Sons of God World Missions, Slater Six just want to say thank you. But can I tell you, as we gather together, this is possible. God is above and beyond. And last week, I was 
literally, we as a staff have been blown away by the amount of pledges that have come in. So I'm going to, never before in a big give have we arrived at this number within one week. So I, any, anybody curious where we're at right now? Uh, we're at 20, we're over at, we're over $27,000 pledged, right? Isn't that amazing? So today my challenge is this. My challenge is this. If you've not pledged, if you've not been part of, maybe you have pledged, would you open your heart to the Holy Spirit this morning? I believe, I believe that we are going to reach our goal today. I believe that $16,000, that's the balance, $16,000 can come in today. How many, how many believe that? Can you agree with that? You, you say, you're, I can tell that there's a little bit of timidity of going, I don't want to agree with that because you're going to expect me to give something. Yes, I am going to expect you to give something. But more than that, God expects you to give something. Can I tell you that? God expects you to give something. And you're going to hear that in the message this morning. The title of my message today is, If I Were Rich. Everyone say, If I Were Rich. If I were rich, you know, we, uh, back in the early 70s, maybe I'm dating myself here because I'm only 30 years old. You know, it's a show that I heard about when I was uh, young. Um, but there was a musical in the early 70s called Fiddler on the Roof. Anybody know the musical Fiddler on the Roof? And it's a whole story about a peasant Jewish man who is poor. And they're going, he's struggling with the, the, the idea of, of modern Jewish living and this concept of how does this play out in my life. And there's a song in this, in this musical, and I know some are just like going, I hate musicals, but Fiddler on the Roof, there's a song, and he's in his barn, and he goes, if I were a rich man, and he goes on to sing the song, and he goes, if I were a rich man, if I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard at all. I'd build a big, tall house with rooms by the dozen right in the middle of town, a fine tin roof with the real wooden floors below. There would be one long staircase just going up and even one larger just going down and one more leading nowhere just for show. And he goes on through this entire song, this song, If I Were a Rich Man, and the entire words, every verse is going towards material possessions. It's going to go, if I were rich, this is what I would have. If I were rich, this is what would happen. How many have ever made the statement in your life, if I were rich, if I were rich, I would? If I were rich, I would. Come on, do you, do you, if I were rich, I would. Maybe some of your statements would, if I were rich, I would travel too. If I were rich, I would buy this. If I were rich, I would enjoy. If I were rich, I would. And we can come up with this concept and this idea of all these things that you and I would accomplish if we were rich. If we had all this money that we could just spend without purpose and without value. Thinking that in our minds that material riches can buy us happiness. That material riches can buy us satisfaction. That material riches can buy us pleasure. pleasure, And maybe even buy us some self-esteem. And the reality is this. Yes, maybe there are some truths to those statements, that they can buy us some pleasure and some satisfaction. But how many know that what money can buy is always fleeting? That the riches that we have on this planet are always fleeting, that they dissipate, that they leave us. Today I want to talk about this idea if I were rich, this mindset that we have, this mindset that cripples us at times to go, well, I'm not rich, so I can't. And what I want to challenge you this morning is this. If I were rich, having a mindset and learning to live with a mindset of much rather than a mindset of little. Living with a mindset of much rather than a mindset of little. 
Today, when we think about riches, we can see that money has varied perspectives in every society. Money has varied perspectives in every single person as I'm speaking this morning in this room and online. I begin to talk about money and some go, some cringe. I begin to talk about giving and some cringe and some get excited. I begin to talk about wealth and riches and some people go, well, I'm poor and so therefore I can't. And what happens is we have a varied mindset of money. The wealthiest person alive today is Jeff Bezos, who is the founder of Amazon. He's worth net worth of $177 billion. The richest person to ever live is an African king, Mansa Musa, who is worth over $400 billion. Those are numbers that I don't even understand, numbers that I cannot figure out. Ali would have to sit and draw them out for me for me to grasp how many zeros there are. I want to give you some facts today about richness. There are approximately 7.2 billion people on the planet. 7.2 billion people on the planet. About 50 of those people own 98% of the net worth of our world. So I want you to get this here. So when we talk about ultra-rich, mega-rich, 50, about 50, approximately 50 people own the majority of the world's wealth. Half the world's population, over 3 billion people, live on $3.50 a day. At least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. I could be asking you some questions this morning going, anybody in that category? I don't think so when we talk about living in America, living in Oregon. If you earn more than $10 a day, you would be considered rich. If I were rich, if you went to school or are going to school, you would be seen in the top 5% of wealth in the world. If you drive a car, you would be seen at the top half percent of our world. 8% of the world live in extreme poverty. When we talk about extreme poverty, they're below the $3.50 mark. When we make statements like we are not as rich as them, you are pleading poverty from a very rich state of being. Why is it that most of us have more money than 99% of the world, but statistically, but we if we, are, let me, I messed up my, if we are statistically in the top 10% of the world, why is it that we speak like we are in the bottom 8% of the world? Why is it that we, as this mindset going, no, we automatically go to poorness rather than richness? Asking this question, if I were a rich man, the reality is the majority, if not all of us, already are, according to these statistics. We say things like, we're so poor and they're so rich, Many times our kids will come home from school and say, my friends, are so ri- my friends' parents are so rich, which we should reply to them saying, and so are we. But we don't have. We may not have everything we have, but can I tell you that most of us in our America have more than enough. We are blessed and we are rich. My observation is that we, are more, that we have more than enough. We are rich people, but we live with a poverty mindset. And I want to ask you today that if you would be willing to shift with me and to hear the message this morning, not that I'm trying to get something from you. I want your mind to shift 
for you to realize what God has already given you. We are very blessed, and we live in a very privileged place in society, and we don't want to take all that for granted. We need a new lens, a new mindset, a new perspective on this idea of money and wealth and riches. Proverbs chapter 11 says this in the NIV, says, one person gives freely and gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. The message, Eugene Peterson writes it this way, and I love his phrasing. He says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. How many have noticed that? That when you have a generous heart and you have a giving heart, your world just begins to expand. It says the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Proverbs 21, 26 says this, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Would you say that phrase with me? The godly love to give. One more time. The godly love to give. I want to ask you today, is that a statement that you live by? You as a godly follower, you as a Christ follower, when giving comes up, do you immediately go, I love to give? It's a mindset. It's a shift of perspective that the Holy Spirit is actually wanting us to shift and to adjust to. Generosity is not primarily something that you or I do. It's an expression of who we are. Generosity begins long before we give, and it's a mindset that we foster. It's why it's not just an aspect that we give once. It's a heart that we begin to go, God, give me a heart of generosity. Help me to be a person that wants to give and loves to give. Today I want to talk about three mindsets, three mindsets of generosity. We have a bag, we have a basket, and we have an amazing barn. How many love the barn here, right? Right, okay. Today we're going to start off with the the bag. The bag is a mentality that there is never enough, that there's never enough. You know, in our culture today, uh, people carry around a lot of bags, backpacks, satchels, briefcases, whatever they are, and I'm going to pick on the women today, particularly my wife. Can I do that? She'll, she'll get even with me later on in life, but uh, today, she's already, I'm getting even with her, Raleigh, really, reality what it is. My wife is all about the handbag, the, not the handbag, but the purse, you know, and I, we've been married for 30, almost 35 years, and she's gone through every style and phase of bags that there possibly could be. Uh, she is very picky about what kind of women are you, how many are picky about the bag that you carry? You know, and she's very picky. It has to have particular compartments. compartments. It has to have the right shoulder strap. It has to obviously look fancy and classy. It's got to have, it can't have just a big, large compartment inside because everything rolls around within there, you know, and she's gone through phases where she's had a big bag and she's had a small bag and we had kids and everything that we owned was in a bag. You know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you, uh, I was appreciative. Uh, I still am appreciative because she's like the Mary Poppins bag at times, you know, that she has in there what we need. Uh, I think back to my grandma. My grandma was a person that had a big uh, suitcase is what I was going to call it. It was a big bag, and her purse was heavy. She had everything in that purse. I would not just call it the Mary Poppins bag. I would call it the Barney bag. I'm dating myself with that, too. Some of you know who Barney is, and some of you don't. Go look him up. The purple dinosaur who had a Barney bag that had everything in it. 
You know, I always thought my grandma walked crooked because she was old. But she really walked crooked because her bag was so heavy. And I'm telling you, you did not, you would not want to try to mug her because she would kill you with that bag, just saying. That was a piece of, of warfare. Uh, but we're talking about a bag today. We're talking about a bag mindset that you and I often, we go, well, this is my bag, and what is in this bag is my bag. Any of you uh, husbands try to get into your wife's bag, and what happens? You better come, you just better be, you just better be ready, you know? I mean, it's like, that's my bag. That's my purse. Those are my things. Don't mess with my bag. Any husbands out there understand what I'm talking about? Now, in defense of that, I have a backpack, and that's my backpack, right? And we, we have these things in our lives that we go, these are mine. Haggai chapter 1 says this, you have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you have, never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but, are, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Can I tell you that oftentimes we will live with a purse mentality? We live with a bag mentality. We live with this idea that this is mine, and I don't want to share anything that's part of this. This is mine. And Haggai is a prophet, and he's writing to the, church, to the Israelites, and he's saying, you have gotten your mindset wrong. Here you're doing all these things. Here you're planting seeds, but you're harvesting very, very little. You're actually eating, but you, you, but you don't feel like you ever have enough. You're drinking, but you never have a fill. You're never filled. He's basically coming and saying, here you're pursuing all these worldly pursuits, and you are never satisfied. You're never satisfied. And oftentimes we think that satisfaction is going to be in a bag. And he writes, the Haggai writes, he says, you earn wages only to put it in a, in a purse with a hole in it. We don't carry bags around, but if we were to back in the culture early Israelite culture as well as even a New Testament culture, men and women alike carried a bag in a sense. They were rocking the dresses back then, just saying. They had no pockets, and the men were carrying a bag. And he's talking about this is what our possessions are. This is how you carried your money was in a situ something similar to this. And many people live... Sorry, my thing just went, what? Many people live with a bag mindset. And today we want to shift our perspective. Your world, your, your, your thought process reveals what you think about money. We don't have enough. I wish I could give more, but money doesn't grow on trees. If we, if we give, then we'll have then we'll have to go without. Generosity will never be part of our story. We just can't afford it. But they are so rich, and we're not. They get all the lucky breaks, and I have to work hard for what I have. Can I tell you today that all of us can come to that mindset to go, this is mine, and I've worked hard for this. There's a man in the New Testament, a man who was one of the 12, and his name was Judas. He was the money handler for Jesus. He was the treasurer for Jesus. He was the one that kept count of those things 
for the things of Jesus. He was the one who carried the bag for Jesus. And there's a story in John chapter 12 about a woman who comes to give everything that she has. John chapter 12, if you want to go read the story, she's a woman that comes and has a bottle of perfume that's very, very expensive. It's a bottle of perfume that was worth a year's wages. It was a bottle of perfume that probably she had inherited, a bottle of perfume that she could save as a dowry someday to be able to pay off this man that would marry her in a sense. And she comes out of complete generosity, and she breaks off the lid, and she pours the entirety of it on Jesus, and she anoints him with it. And Judas, in his mindset, his bag mindset goes, what in the world are you doing? Do you not realize that we could have sold that jar of perfume and put the money in a bag and gave some to the poor? Many of us stop at that story, and we don't see anything further, but because of Judas's mindset, the bag mindset that he had, that there never is enough Immediately after that scenario, you'll see that Judas in chapter 12 leaves that audience of Jesus and this woman doing what he's doing, and immediately he goes to the temple to talk to the Pharisees, and at that moment, he sells Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Why? So he can put some money in his bag. When we think about this idea of Judas and what he did, it's in our currency today, we're talking $450. $450, why? Because it was something that he could own and something that he could put in his hand. And today I want to challenge you. If you're living with a bag mindset, can I tell you that your bag mindset is never enough even for you? You think you have something, but it's not even enough for you. It's not even enough for you to, to, that you feel satisfied with in life. I want to talk about the basket mindset. All throughout Scripture, we have some basket illustrations. The basket mindset is there is enough. Everyone say, there is enough. There is enough. The, ba- the, the bag mindset says there's not enough, and the basket mindset says there is enough. Many of you could be living today in this mindset of going, no, there is enough. I have enough. I have enough that is going to, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I have just enough to make ends meet. Deuteronomy chapter 28 as Moses writes, he says, all things, all these blessings will come on you and, and accompany you. And one of the translations says they will overtake you. I love that. The blessing, how many would like, how many like that idea of the blessing will overtake you? This concept, the blessing will come and it'll not just be there or accompany you, but it's overtaking you. If you obey what the, if you obey the Lord your God, you will be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. And some of us are going, I don't want the fruit of my womb blessed right now. The crops of your hand will be, uh, and the young of your livestock, the calves of your hands and the lambs of the flocks, they will all be blessed. And it says your basket will be blessed. Your basket. This basket was used for so many things. This basket was to gather things in. This basket was to carry things in. This basket was a, a necessity in life. They would go to the fields and they would get, they'd get their groceries. They would go and they would harvest and they'd put it in a basket. A basket was a necessity of life. Jesus and this idea of the basket. If you go into the New Testament and a couple of the Gospels, you're going to see the feeding of the 5,000. Everybody familiar with the feeding of the 5,000? The disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, there are a multitude of people, and dinner is approaching, and they're hungry. What are we going to do? And Jesus says, 
well, duh, go feed them. And they're going, Jesus, we don't have anything. He goes, go take care of it. Go find something. They go out into the crowd and they find a little boy, I'm assuming, that had a bag. And in that bag, he had some food. He had some fish and he had some loaves. And he said, here's, here's what I have. He was willing to give what he had. The disciples bring it back to Jesus. And Jesus says, a blessing over. And he says, now go feed them. If you know the end of the story, there were thousands that were fed with loaves and fishes. At the end of that story, you see the disciples that have picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers because there was a willingness to give. There was a willingness to, to share with what they had with somebody else, a willingness with what's in the basket. What I've realized is this, what is in my hands is oftentimes limited, but what's in God's hands multiplies. So you see the story of a little little boy going, God, in my hands, this is very little. This is just enough for me. But God, in your hands, you're going to be able to take this and you're going to multiply it. And there's going to be leftovers as a result. How many have discovered that in your life? That when you hold on to something, it stays what it is. When you give it to God, it multiplies. It does something, does something extravagant. The challenge with the basket, the challenge with the basket is this. You'll have enough at the moment. You'll have enough to share, but it's going to be the people in your room or in the middle of the miracle that are going to benefit from a basket. It's the 12 that walked away with those baskets. They were able to go home and share what they had left over with their families. The rest of them was just a story. And can I tell you, we're thankful for the basket moments. We're thankful for those things in our lives, but the story ends there. The blessing ends there. The blessing ends with us when we keep the bag. It's ours, and we keep it unto ourselves. And this is just a little bit more that we go, no, I'm going to give it, and, I can, and, and, and someone else is going to be blessed by it. We see in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. And he goes on and he says, the measure in which you give, the, the amount in which you give, the way in how you give is how it will be, how it will be measured back unto you. Jesus doesn't say keep it. Jesus doesn't say hoard it. Jesus doesn't say keep it in your bag. Jesus says, no, have a, have a basket mindset that you want to be able to share with somebody. Last, last one is the barn mindset. The barn mindset. This reminds me of my farm background. The barn mindset. And the barn mindset is there is always way more than enough. There's always way more than enough. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know which one you best identify with. Maybe it is the bag. Maybe it's the basket. And maybe the barn is so far reaching to you that you can't even get your mind around it. Today I want to talk about the barn, this abundance. This idea that if I were rich, if I were rich, I would. The bag, there's not enough. The basket, there's a little extra. The barn, there's more than enough. We can go to the story of Boaz and Ruth. In the Old Testament, if you've not read the book of Ruth, you need to go look at it from the barn mindset. Ruth comes to glean from Boaz's field, and they leave grain along the sides of the field. The, the culture back then was that they would try to fill their barns, but they would leave little bits for people to have. 
Boaz's mindset with Ruth particularly is that he told his gleaners to, or he told his harvesters to live, leave handfuls on purpose. Boaz had a barn mindset. He knew that his barn was going to be filled. He knew that there was going to be plenty. He knew that he did not have to live in a way that every grain was important to him. He says, no, leave the handfuls on purpose. Can I tell you today that God's asking us to live with a barn mindset? That God, who is over our lives, has blessed us that you and I are rich in accordance to our culture today. But many of us are still living with a bag and a basket when God says, no, I want you to live like a barn. I want you to leave handfuls on purpose. I want you to bless on purpose. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Everyone says, honor, everyone say, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. It comes to this place of saying uh, that, it, that you greatly respect, high, hold in high esteem who the Lord is. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. Give him your first and give him your best. Jesus, God, all throughout the New Old Testament was all about the first and the best. The first and the best. Everyone say the first. Everyone say the best. Many times we want to come and we want to give last. This idea, it takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. It takes faith to give first. That's why Jesus, that's why God's coming in this passage of description and say, I want you to come with your first fruits. I want you to recognize that I am your provider. I want you to recognize that I'm the one that's going to bless you. I want you to recognize that I have a barn. Come with your first fruits. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with wine. Giving first believes that 90% with God's blessing will be more than enough to meet all your needs. Today, we're not talking about tithing per se in this series, but there is a tithing principle that if we come with our first and we come with our best, God's going to multiply what's left over. God's going to bless us in the leftover process. This week, as I was trying to come up with something really creative, I came up with this statement. It says, when I bring God my first and my best, he fills a barn. When I bring God my leftovers, he fills a basket. I want to ask you, are you content with your basket? When you bring your leftovers, God, God's still going to honor you, but when you bring your first and your best, he's going to give you a barn. Your reach is going to be much, is above and beyond. This, this is not above and beyond living right here. This is above and beyond living. This is the concept that we want to step in and go, no, God, there's something more. When we have a barn mindset, there's an excess to help others. There's more for others that aren't part of our immediate story. Our immediate story are going to be impacted by the basket. Our extended story, Africa, Speed the Light, are going to be, extend, be impacted by a barn mindset. We at RLC, we endeavor to live with a barn mindset. We at RLC, our church, our organization, we don't have millions of dollars in savings. We don't have millions of dollars in our checking account, but I can tell you this, there's tens of thousands of dollars that are there because why? We want to be good stewards of the monies that come in. But I can tell you, just as the monies come in, the monies go out. The monies are there to bless. The monies are there to expand the kingdom of God. Being rich is not always about big money. Being rich is about having a big mindset. Today as we come, 
It's evaluating our mindset going, are we guilty of going, I'm not as rich as them? When in reality, we live, we're the 90% that are living, or we're the, we're the 10% that are living above the 90% of poverty in our world. It's a big mindset. So I ask you today, what limits you in your generosity mindset? What is it that's limiting you in your generosity mindset? Would you just close your eyes with me for a second? As you think through these three categories, the bag that I don't have enough, doesn't ever feel like I have enough. What I have in the bag, I've got to keep. I've got to guard. I've got to protect. Am I living with a basket mindset that there is enough? I am willing to share some. My reach is there, but it's just those that are in the room that are getting impacted. And maybe you're here today and you're going, I may not be living with a barn mindset, but I sure want a barn mindset. I may not understand the barn mindset but, and apply it completely in my life, but man, I want to live with the barn mindset. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many would say that you want to live with a barn mindset? Would you just lift your hand to God? God, today I thank you for the honesty and the sincerity of those in this room, the sincerity of those that are online. God, you're the God of a barn. You're the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills and there is no limit to you. You are the one that can store and that can give to us whatever is needed because you have it all. God, today I pray, God, for us this morning with our mindsets. God, if we have limited you with a bag mentality, God, if we've even limited you with a basket mentality, God, would you stretch us this morning to realize that you deserve the first and the best. God, that what we give to you, you store in a barn. God, when it's just our leftovers, it's just enough for a basket. And God, today we need a barn to be able to withdraw from. If you want to look at me one more time, the Apostle Paul, as he was talking about generosity in 2 Corinthians. Verse 9, he says, you know, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, everyone say, though he was rich, that though he was rich, he himself became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Can I tell you, it's this great exchange that God does God comes in, God comes to us in the middle of our poverty, that Jesus gave it all for us, that we might find wealth and salvation, wealth in God, eternal wealth in who we are in Him. And today we're confronted with a question in our lives to go, how will we live our lives? Because we have this DNA in us. Are we going to allow it? to flow through our lives and to be conduit for God, or are we going to hold it up in a bag? 
Today, I want to call us back to our pledges this morning. And if you have not done so, on your seat, there is a pledge form. And I am asking everyone, it's everyone say everyone. I'm asking everyone to participate. Again, we go back to it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. Not everyone can give equally. Not everyone has the same barn stored up for themselves because they've not lived, they've been living out of a basket in a bag for a while. Can I tell you, the more you live out of a barn, the more you have to give. The more God pours blessing in your life, the more he realizes it can flow through your hands. And this is the beginning today to go, I don't, I've been here and here, I want to live here. This is the beginning. The beginning is on this card to go, no, God, I'm stepping into a barn mindset. I'm not just stepping out of, not going to live out of a bag. I'm not going to live out of a basket. I want to live out of a barn. And I want to encourage you today. Today is the day. Today is the moment. I want to, I would hope, I want to, I want to challenge you. Can we just, can we just get the, the, the pledges done today? Wouldn't that just be exciting? Can we just go $15,000, $16,000? Let's just do it. We've already done $27,000. let us just do it. We can do it. Those online, we can do it. If you need to, don't want to do it on a sheet of paper, would you get in and you can go online to one of our apps. Uh, there's all sources. And Julie told me right before I let, got up here, and I don't remember what she said, but it's there. You'll find it. A link was sent out to you in an email. There we go. It was in social media. There they are. And I think it's even in our app, is it not? QR code. There we go. All those fancy things. Uh, anyway, would you make sure you do so today? Thank you for your generosity. Remember, this isn't about us. This is not about us. Not any penny that you give benefits RLC. Every penny you give is blessing the Slaters and Speed the Light, empowering them to speed the light of the gospel to a country that is dark, that desperately needs Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the generosity of your people today. God, I pray that you would just pour out more upon them. God, I know that in a society, in our culture, amidst COVID, we can cling to what we have because we don't want to lose what we have. And God, today I pray that we would step into the culture of God, the mindset of God, that says all that I have belongs to him. God, I pray, would you help us to be generous today? God, we pray for blessings upon the Slaters. Come on, let's pray for them. God, I pray for South Africa. We pray for Joel and Amy and their kids. God, we thank you for them as their obedience to go and minister for you. And God, I pray that you would just pour out blessing upon them, pour out favor upon them. God, I pray that as we invest with this $43,000 of a vehicle, God, I pr we pray for a harvest of souls. God, we pray for a harvest of souls. God, that people that have never heard the gospel, come on, church, that people that have never heard the gospel would hear it because the Slaters are able to drive to a village and share the love of Jesus. God, it's more than just transportation around a city. It's transporting the gospel to the far reaches of a country. And God, we thank you for an opportunity. We thank you for the privilege to give. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're, giving, if you're doing a card, would you drop it in the green box? That's the best way to do so. Our prayer team is around the front, and we believe in the power of prayer. And if you need prayer today, would you come and let them pray for you? If you need healing today, would you come and let them pray for you? We believe that God can do a great miracle in your life. Remember that if you've registered this afternoon at 5 o'clock, everyone say 5 o'clock, is our family dinner, and there is going to be a boatload of food. Frank and Karen have been cooking and cooking and cooking, and we're going to have a great time. Make sure you're registered for that. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you next week.
Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.